0: You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal, trauma, and abuse, and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, my amazing, beautiful listeners. How are you? Thank you for being here with me today. Can you believe we are getting this close to the end of the year? I don't know about you, but when I was going through divorce, trying to do the single mom thing, the end of the year always scared me. I felt like there were so many things to do, so many things to think about, and so many more triggers that would show up the end of the year. And so it wasn't always my favorite. I had to learn how to make it my favorite again. And at the same time, having the new year start always gave me this reset button. Like, okay, January is coming and I'm resetting. And what do I want to accomplish this next year? Gave me time to reflect on, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made it through this past year. I hope this coming year is a lot better. Many of you have started thinking about next year and how you want that to go, what that what that looks like for you, which is why I am doing another round of dating from within the second week in January. I wanted to just mention that to keep that on your radar as maybe something that will help you accomplish a goal for the upcoming year. And remember, dating from within is about you. It is learning how to date yourself. It's learning how to connect to yourself and find that place within to prepare and find that place within that needs healing and mending and connecting to Because learning how to date yourself, learning how to be healthy with yourself and for yourself is always the place to start. If you're interested and want to get your spot and just hold it, then head over to the show notes and you can go ahead and register for that and set that as your New Year's goal. Start dating yourself. But yeah, the holidays are here. And like I mentioned, it can come with a lot of of different feelings, a lot of different emotions. I love Brene Brown's latest work on defining emotions and creating a more universal language to these experiences that all of us humans have in our life. And one of the side effects, if you will, that I noticed in myself after betrayal, trauma, healing is that I would find myself foreboding joy. Meaning, according to Bre- Brene Brown, I was afraid to lean into good news, I was afraid to acknowledge. Wonderful moments and did with that and have joy because it was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. When vulnerability is out of whack due to that betrayal, violence, and trauma, then it makes sense why the distorted sense of reality that I was led to believe by my ex-husband's abusive behavior and communication that what might feel like real joy or good news just might not actually be. So foreboding joy. Can you relate to that? I agree with Renee that 95% of parents also feel this with their children. And I found myself foreboding joy on every moment that my child would expand their freedom and exposure into the big, bad, dangerous, beautiful, awesome world. Every time they would get their driver's license, every time that I would drop them off at high school, every time that they would leave for college, all of these experiences, I would be afraid to be excited for them because of all of the other things that could happen. It's so exciting to see your child have that freedom and drive off in a car for the first time. I remember what I felt like that first time I had the freedom in the car by myself with the music that I wanted to listen to. It's an amazing experience but it was hard for me to enjoy that and feel that for my children because I was foreboding joy. I was just waiting for the accident, waiting for the phone call. To this day, anytime my children call on the phone and they're like, mom, like what, Trump, you okay? Now, my three olders and Jackson's soon catching on very quickly that when they call me and I answer, they say, I'm okay. Everything's fine. They just get that out of the way. But again, just this idea that we're foreboding joy. The emotions of joy is the most feared in betrayed women because we allowed ourselves to feel joy. And then we since learned that, that joy was not shared and perhaps not real, that if we let ourselves feel joy again, it might not last or disasters around the corner. So don't even bother feeling it. It's just going to be taken away. We lay awake at night with an ongoing narrative that goes along with the imaginary future scenario of how everything we are finding joy in again will just disappear. I look back at my journals and so many times I had written about something good, something healing and hopeful after my divorce. And then at the end of each entry, I'd say, well, I'm recording this because tomorrow It will turn bad again, and I just want to remember that there was at least a tiny amount of joy in my life. Or I'd end with, well, good day today, but that usually means it's not going to last long. I'm not kidding, like almost every page. And this really wasn't that pessimism. It was coming from a very believable space that good things that I thought were good aren't or won't be for very long due to the trauma that, that I experienced. During my marriage, I'd think things were good. And then I'd have a hole in the wall the next day. And without knowing the truth of what was really he was really hiding, without the reality or context, my parts had to find something to make it all make sense. So that narrative became, don't enjoy too long. It goes away without warning. One of the statements Brene makes about this, she says, We are terrified of being blindsided by pain, so we practice tragedy and trauma. But there is a huge cost. When we push away joy, we squander the goodness that we need to build that resilience and strength and courage. And I know that she wasn't specifically addressing betrayed partners here. However, this hit me in the gut. This fear of being blindsided by pain. So we practice tragedy and trauma. Yeah, we are terrified of being blindsided again. Which is why every single one of my clients, and myself included back in the day, didn't even want to think about, didn't even want to think about getting married again or dating again. Like, no thank you. Foreboding joy. That reality collapse is no joke. And when you realize that your small hunch or what you thought maybe felt off, was far larger of a problem than your brain could even comprehend or imagine. The pain. Is indescribable. I remember after a partial disclosure of his acting out behaviors, the flight response kicked in and all I could do was run. And I just started running down our road into the woods. It had to have been fall or close to wintertime because I just remember the leaves were all brown and fallen from the trees. I can still hear the crunch of the leaves as I was running through, <laughs> running through the woods. I could hear myself gasping, like gasping for air. It's like a sound that I just didn't even know a human could make. And I just fell on the ground. And I have a memory of just laying there on my back, looking up through the trees, up to the sky that was darkening at the time. And I remember just wanting the earth to swallow me whole. Like I was begging for it to open up and bury me alive. Anything to escape the pain that this partial reality collapse created. Yeah purified of pain again. I know exactly what it's like to practice tragedy and trauma when that starts to feel safer than joy. We can manifest the fear of being blindsided again by not fully embracing joy, believing that we are protecting ourselves from potential hurt that might come later. This is where the hypervigilance comes in, always wanting to be on the lookout for any sign that supports the narrative that whatever joy you have now is just going to be destroyed. Or you may avoid happiness, avoid happy situations, avoid leaning into things that could create happy because you think it's all just going to go away. It's not going to last. This is actually sad, but I find a tidbit of humor in it. When my life started to collapse, especially after divorce, while I was in this avoiding happiness state, anytime I had a couple that I knew or was acquainted with and they were getting married and they were like this cute young couple. I'd avoid being happy for them by predicting their demise of matrimony. It didn't feel safe to be happy for others' joy. I know, right? That's the truth of this. And then the self-sabotaging behaviors where where you are unconsciously undermining your happiness or success so that you will make choices that will lead to unwanted negative results because, again, you're unconsciously trying to fulfill your own negative expectations. So this looks like, see, it always ends up blowing up in my face. See, I can never catch a break. It's, see, there's always something that goes wrong. What about overthinking or worrying excessively? This is another way that we practice tragedy and trauma. And I was the queen of obsessively thinking about the worst case scenarios and then stressing about it happening, watching for it to even happen. Or perhaps you find yourself replaying past traumatic events out in your mind and just replaying it over and over. And this keeps the trauma fresh. Not only keeping you from feeling joy, but keeping you from moving forward. And then, of course, when we practice tragedy and trauma, we have continuous difficulty in trusting. Trusting others. But more so, not trusting ourselves. I didn't trust that I could have joy that I was even capable of it anymore. I will still find myself sometimes, not so much anymore, but every so often, as I'm feeling so much joy for for my life or my family, what I've been given to enjoy. And brain will still offer that thought, don't screw it up or God will take it all away again. Don't do anything wrong. Don't sit with this joy too long. It might go away and then you will die. I mean... The brain just is sometimes just really neat. But at that moment, I can choose to practice tragedy and trauma or gratitude and joy. But it's always a choice. Here's the good news of all of us. Yes, there's good news. The good news is that you already have the capacity to hold joy. This isn't something that you have to hustle for. You don't have to be more, new more, try harder, heal longer, righteous your way into your Already capable of holding this space, it just requires you to choose into it. One thing that Brene's research found that practicing gratitude supported the capacity for deep joy. And I love her definition of gratitude as well. Gratitude is an emotion that reflects our deep appreciation for what we value, what brings meaning to our lives, and what makes us feel connected to ourselves and others. And I love how she has ourselves first there. And I will add here to your her definition, what helps you feel connected to your higher power. Along with foreboding joy, it's not uncommon after betrayal and divorce to feel this sense of resistance to gratitude. Like those around you who start talking about gratitude for things that, that you have, like just look at what you do have. After you've just had a loss like this, it's like salt in the wound. Hearing sentiments shared with you by good meaning people, just be grateful for what you do have, can feel invalidating to what you're going through and give you this sense of shame even. When that kind of advice was shared with me and I felt so freaking far from being grateful, like my whole life just blew up. I still hadn't known the of the betrayal. I lost everything or away from everything just to get out and escape when feeling gratitude wasn't something I could muster up at the time, I felt as if something was wrong with me, like I was lacking in faith or goodness. I didn't dare let people know what I was really thinking about or wishing for. I'd get kicked out of the whole tribe for sure if they knew. I do believe in this principle of gratitude, and I do want to share more on how to cultivate it, but I also believe that if you are being a conscious chooser in your life, And in your healing journey, making space for all of it, wherever you are, and then you will know. You will be guided through your inner sense of knowing when it's time to stretch yourself towards gratitude again. As Brene Brown is a researcher, and so of course she researched gratitude. And so she says before this research, she assumed that joyful people were grateful people, But then after interviewing thousands of people about their experiences with joy and gratitude, she noticed three patterns. And I'm going to go over these three patterns. But one of those is, without exception, every person she interviewed who described living a joyful life or described themselves as joyful actively practiced gratitude and attributed their joyfulness to that practice. The second thing she found was both joy and gratitude were described as spiritual practices that were bound to a belief in human interconnectedness and a power greater than themselves. And then number three, the difference between happiness and joy can be equated to the difference between human emotion connected to circumstance and one that has a spiritual way of engaging in the world. I'm sure I've shared this with you before, but this will forever stand out to me as one of those major shifts in my healing journey. I had just bought a new used car and it broke down and I thought it was a goner. It was being towed to the mechanic. I was so upset. I felt betrayed all over again. And then there goes the foreboding joy because all I could think was, of course, this happened. Just the car that I just bought felt so good about buying broke down. I went home waiting for the mechanic to give me the horrible news that my car was a goner. So I went to the room to cry, to yell, to yell at God, knelt down inside of my bed and was about to just cry aloud like, why? Why me? Why now? Why? I opened my mouth and the words, thank you, came out instead. I shocked myself. I didn't want to say thank you. I wasn't thankful in that moment. Far, far from it. I sat there with the sound of those words still permeating on my lips. Thank you. And then something inside me shifted. This time, I opened my mouth and I said, with intention, thank you that my children are healthy. I had very healthy children. No doctors, no surgeries, not even colds. I was grateful for that. And then I just started to list off a few more things. Longer so that I could actually buy laundry soap. Grateful for that. My apartment, that it was safe and healing place. Work, so grateful for the work that I was receiving. Because without child support, I needed every job that I could get. So by the time that I had ended that prayer of Thanksgiving, if you will, I felt calm. I felt more peace. I even felt hopeful that I'd find another car somehow, some way. I started to feel joy. I went, I made dinner, played music, and then I get a phone call from the mechanic. And I answered and I said, okay, give it to me straight. It's a goner. And he laughed and he goes, no, you can come pick it up. It's working fine. Not sure what happened. We've checked all the things. We've tried to make it break again. It's good. I can't explain to you, but it's all good. You can come pick it up. Of course, I ran back to my bed and solved my eyes out. So blessed. So much joy. That was also a shift for me to move towards God a little bit more. I wanted to start seeing his hand on my legs. I didn't know where he was half the time because I felt so alone, but I had determined it was time to start looking. Verne's study showed an interconnectedness to a higher power. And I believe this is such a true principle as well. Whatever your higher power is, when we are lacking in strength in substance, in hope, in the ability to take another step into the fog, when we can access power from a higher source, that can give us what we are lacking. So for me, this is God in Christ. I was living in Arizona, right? And moving from Kentucky was so hard for many reasons, but I missed the green. I missed the yellows, the reds, the oranges. I miss the fields and the horses and so many trees. Just nature is my soul. And so part of me Having to leave that was was a big loss. death as well. Anyways, I miss color. And in Arizona, I saw different shades of brown, small patches of green grass in yards, but most of that was spade grass. Green, like that's a thing. Green bushes along the sides of the roads, but cactus, cactus everywhere. It's like, a, like they celebrate it, right? Cactus everywhere, which are not pretty to me at all because half of them look like they're flipping me off. And so it just didn't feel good at all but I wanted to start seeing God's hand in my life. I wanted to start seeing, okay, how are you showing up in my day? This was my attempt to start leaning away from practicing tragedy and trauma and leaning towards more gratitude and joy, but also leaning towards a higher power to get that strength from, because I was feeling very depleted and very alone. So I started out my morning Asked God to show me his hand in my life that day to help me see him, to help me feel him. And of course, I was thinking perhaps I'd maybe I'd get more work or someone would call me and check in on me because I did feel so alone. Like maybe that would help me feel like God was actually caring, listening to me. But none of that, none of that happened. But I kept looking. And towards the end of the day, I drove up to my last house to clean. And this was one of the houses that I cleaned every other week. But yet this time, I walked up to the door. I saw a bush in the front yard that had the most magnificent color red in it. It was breathtaking. I just knew at that moment that vibrant color that I so desperately needed to fill my soul with joy was from God. Others might look at this logically and that's fine. But for me, in that moment, I had never seen that bush before. I was there every other week and I had never noticed that bush or that color. But because I was intentionally trying to look for things that touched my soul, that gave me that source of energy that I was depleted in, that I needed from a higher source, that was it for me that day. I felt supported and that absolutely brought me joy in the midst of a lot of sorrow. The last binding in Renee's research about the difference between happiness and joy And how it's equated to the difference between human emotion connected to circumstances and one that is a spiritual way of engaging in the world, which I have found to be so true also in my life. When we base happiness on a circumstance or a person, like he makes me so happy, it's temporal, it's temporary. You don't have control over a situation in that person. And if your ability to choose happy is reliant on, something outside of your control, it's not reliable. It's not empowering. But when we engage in the world from a place of joy, to me, this means we feel happy and sad. We feel frustration and peace. We experience all of it because we can, because all emotions are not wrong or bad or make us weak or less or less put together or less spiritual. I think the most spiritual act that we can take is allowing ourselves to feel the negative emotions without judgment, shame, or blame. I want to say that again. I believe that the most spiritual act we can take is allowing ourselves to feel the negative emotions, to feel them without judgment, shame, or blame, to not react, avoid, or resist, but to feel it, that we allow those very intense emotions and energy. To move through our human body and let it. And to get good at it. This is why for me, this is why I worship a higher power. This is why I worship Christ. This is what he did perfectly and showed me how to just practice feeling all of it. And all I need to do is just practice. Christ didn't blame God. He didn't blame us. He didn't resist, react, avoid. He chose into that experience. It didn't make him any less didn't make him any less perfect. perfect. And yeah, he could perfectly feel it. But again, that's why I worship him. I'm not expected to be perfect at it. So choosing joy to me is choosing to experience all of it, knowing that it is for my good, that I can, as an agent unto myself, find meaning and find a way to make what's been done to me that I didn't have choice in work for me with the agency that I have that's the spiritual gift of agency. and as i continued to practice gratitude for every loss that i felt and acknowledged and grieved it i looked for the blessing to follow rather than the it's all going to turn to shit again. <laughs> i had to shit i had to make a shift from the shit. <laughs> that shift had to be a choice, a conscious choice. was it easy? no, was it uncomfortable? yes, was it scary? yes. When I was in this mind space of noticing all the losses and thinking, of course that happened, of course he did that, of course he would say that, my brain then looked for evidence to support the of course that happened moment. This is just how the human brain works. Like when you buy a car, how many of you purchased a new car, and then all of a sudden, your make and model in color is everywhere. Or you have a red car and you think, oh my gosh, it's so bright and I don't ever see red cars. And then all of a sudden, all you can see is red cars. The same principle with gratitude. Once this becomes a conscious choice, then your brain will find evidence to support it. Now, I know to some it can seem flippant, ignoring real or just making crap up. But who cares? Are the results of this practice working for you? They were for me. They do to this day, work for me every time. So what if joy isn't happy, period? What if joy is experiencing both? What if joy is experiencing all of the emotions as a human without judgment, shame, or blame? And as you connect to a higher power and to healthy people, when you feel that interconnectedness, it supports you and gives you the energy to move Through those negative emotions. I picked up my gratitude journal a month ago or so and started to be a little bit more diligent with it. And Scott said to me the other day, and or what he said that he noticed something different about me, just noticed that I'm more peaceful, a little bit more settled, and he hasn't seen that in a while. And he was like, therapy must be going well. But I knew exactly what it was. It's because I was feeling more grateful in my life, grateful for the sun. I literally have started to, on my morning walks, stop in the direction of the sun and pause and give gratitude. This actually was emulated by a couple of ladies in my neighborhood, these older Indian women. And the older Indian women, they still dress in their full formal gear, even when they go on walks. If there's a holiday, they all do it. But for the most part, I've noticed that the older Indian women always dress this way. Anyways, I was on my walk and I she was walking ahead of me. And the direction that we were going was the sun behind us. And as she made a turn to head in a different direction, she turned to the sun, raised her arms up, and and then they were put together in prayer. And then she bowed forward and came back up, and then turned her direction away from the sun and walked and kept walking her way. But she gave acknowledgement to the sun, and it was so beautiful to watch. And I thought, huh, I don't think I acknowledge the sun. And I know how important that is just for grounding purposes. So I started to add that to my practice, just taking a moment to turn towards the sun. I mean, I don't worship and bow and pray to it, but turn and acknowledge that sun and what the sunlight does for me and just be grateful for it grateful for the creek that I get to walk down and enjoy, the green grass and the still very healthy children that bless my life every day with their loves. I have good people around me. I have a body that keeps me alive and that I have total control over what I think, feel and do. Just practicing those gratitudes every day. And my hope for you listening is that you either feel validated that if you are not ready to lean into this principle and this shift yet, you're not weak. You're not less spiritual. Or just not doing enough. There is a time for this. And you will know in your gut when it's time. When the victim and anger are no longer serving you. But these stages do serve us for a time. Just choose it. Recognize it. It's okay. For those who are listening who feel a little bit more ready to lean in. I hope this helps you to see that possibilities. To have a little less expectation. That if you are grateful, you're always happy. Rather The practice of gratitude sustains you in joy, which joy is allowing the experience of both 50-50 in your life. And when you feel a loss, you look for the meaning, the gift, the shift in you. I am truly grateful for all of you who listen, who share your stories, who share your pain, who are seekers of truth, healing, and are seeking to grow in this journey despite what's been done to you that you didn't have choice in. I'm grateful for those of you who lean in towards that power of agency and start choosing. There is joy in the journey, and I hope you experience this part of your life because you can. Take care, everybody. I can't think of a better way to show gratitude for yourself than learning to connect back towards you even more. That's why I created the Intimacy Within self-paced course that walks you through all seven levels of intimacy. Did you know there are seven? How many of you aren't even sure what healthy looks like anymore? You probably thought you had healthy-ish in your marriage for a time, and then blow to the gut and TKO. Guess not. Well, this is also why I created Intimacy Within because when you can learn how to have healthy connection with yourself first, you will then have a clear radar for the unhealthy. Believe me, it works. When you show up healthy for you, then you won't accept less from others. It's self-paced so you can take your time and use the workbook to help guide you along through the course. And if you join my Believing in You coaching program, then you can get coached specifically around the awarenesses that you have through this course where you might get stuck. So many ways to heal, to thrive, to see more into you and help you live the life that you deserve. Check it out in the show notes and get the link to start your journey back towards you today. See you